out of the book of Psalms, chapter 73. Just want to read two verses, verses 27 and 28. Psalm 73. It was in the first chapter this morning. Psalm 73 this evening. Verse number 27, For lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. Thou that destroyed all them that go a-whoring from thee. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works. Amen that I may declare all thy works. Sounds like a good testimony service, don't it? I want to preach on verse 28. It is good for me to draw near to God. And that's what I want to preach on tonight, drawing near to God. It's really just a continued message from this morning. It really is because that's everywhere my heart's been. You can only preach. I tell you, as a preacher, I've always told young preachers, you can only preach what God is speaking to you, and you can only preach what's burning in you. You try to preach anything else, it's going to fall flat. So I want to preach my heart to you, drawing near to God. Father, we thank you for your word. Tonight, we ask you again that you'll just come. You reveal yourself to us by your spirit and through the word. God, we thank you that you are moving and working not only in the mission field, but right here in our hearts and in our lives and around these altars. And I, I thank you, Lord, for that. I ask you that you'll continue to work in us. I pray that the power and the manifestation of the Holy Ghost will be present throughout the remainder of this serve, service and in this altar, oh God, as we gather to pray. Grant it, we pray in Jesus' precious name. It is good for me to draw near to God. That's a verse that you haven't highlighted or underlined or put an asterisk by or wrote the verse down in the leaf page of your Bible. That's a good one to write. Amen. It is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works. Isaiah talked about people that draw near to God. He said, wherefore, in Isaiah 29 and 13, wherefore the Lord said, for as much as this people draw near me with their mouth and with their lips do honor me, but they are but have removed their heart far from me and their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. Do you know that you can draw near to God with your mouth. That's how you draw near to God in praise, in adoration, in worship, and in prayer. You draw near to God with your, with your mouth. But if your heart doesn't follow your mouth, God said in your heart will lead you astray. Then Hebrews 10 and 22, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled 
from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. First thing we realize tonight in order to properly understand the phrase to draw near, it is a spiritual act. We understand as we read in James 4 and 8, he said, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. James 4 and 8. When God draws nigh unto us, how does he do it? By his spirit. God is a spirit, John 4 and 24. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. When God comes near to you, he comes near to you in spirit. And if you draw near to God... John told us in chapter 4 and verse 24 that you have to do so in the spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So God draws nigh to me by his spirit and I have to draw nigh to God by getting in the spirit right. or through the Holy Ghost. Right. We have to understand that when we speak of being close to God or far from God, we're talking about a condition of the heart. I don't know what the spans of the universe is. There may be some kind of scientist that claims to know through measuring out through the Hubble telescope. I don't know. But I, I don't know the spans of the universe. And I don't know how far past the spans of the universe God may be sitting on his throne. I don't know. But in order to draw nigh to God, I'm not measuring feet or inches, or miles, or light years, or any of those things. When I'm talking about drawing nigh to God, I'm talking about doing so with my heart. We're not separated from God in feet and inches. Sin is the only thing that separates me from God. That's a powerful statement, but a true statement nonetheless. Sin is the only thing that separates us from God. Isaiah spoke of those who would draw nigh or near unto God with their lips. That's through worship and praise or through prayer. But whose heart would be far from him. That's sin. You've met people that talk the good game. They just didn't live a good life. Yeah. Nothing they said was unscriptural or not true, but they didn't. Their life did not match their doctrine. That's always bothered me. I want my life to match the doctrine that I preach. If it doesn't, then I can't be a true witness unto God. Because Christ's life matched the scripture. He was the word of God in the flesh. He walked it out. He lived it. People say, what would Jesus do? <laughs> he would do what the book says. Lo, it is written of me in the volume of the book, I am come to do thy will, O God. That's what Jesus would do. And Isaiah again Verse 29 and 13, Wherefore 
the Lord said, for as much as this people draw near me with their mouth and with their lips do honor me, but they have removed their heart far from me and their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. I want you to think about this. When you talk about nearness or farness, that's probably not a word, is it? <laughs> if you talk about being near to God or far away from God, the prodigal son, think about this. Before he ever ventures into a far country, he would be on his bed at night and dream about being in the far country. He's in the Father's house. He might be one wall. Maybe the wall's only about eight to ten inches thick. He's one wall, one room separated from the Father. He, he may can hear the Father snoring through the wall at night. The Father can hear him laughing and giggling through the wall at night, clowning around with his buddies on his cell phone. To lie on his bed at night and say, I hate living on this farm. I hate, I am so sick of living by my father's rules. I will be so glad for the day that I can get as far away from this place and my father and his rules as I can possibly get. When I get old enough, I'm going to demand my inheritance and I am out of here and they'll never see me again. Sadly enough, do you know that's played out in real life more than one time? As soon as I get old enough, uh, I can get out and live on my own, live by my own set of rules. I'm out of here. I'm out of church. I ain't coming back. I'm going to do what I want to do. Do you know he was lost in the house? It's not, he, he, he didn't get lost when he got his inheritance and traveled off into a far country. He's lost in the house, laying in the bed. Dreaming, waiting for the day I'm out of here when I get the chance. You're already out of there. You're already lost. You're already gone. To, to be saved is to be in love with Christ. That's right. And in love with the Father. That's what it is to be saved. Do you know when he came home, he didn't care about the house. He didn't care about the bed he used to sleep in or the sheets he uh, uh, laid in or, or the clothes that he wore or any of the stuff that he had do you realize he came to the place uh, he realized what made him rich uh, was his relationship that he had with his father how many servants have bread enough and to spare and I'm perishing with hunger I'm going home and I'm going to say to my father I'm not worthy to be your son make me a servant I'm not worried about any of the stuff that I had. I'm not worthy of any of that stuff. I blew it all. I wasted all of my substance. I'm not asking you to restore me back to that. Just let me be near you again. Let me feel the Holy Ghost again. 
Let me feel your presence again. Let me look upon the beauty of your face again. Oh, let me be near unto you. All oh, the privilege I have to be raised by you, to grow up in your house, uh, to hold you, or to have you hold me at any given moment, to spend hours of conversation, to laugh and cry with you. Oh, to have that again. Just make me a servant uh, to where I can be near you and hear your voice again. He said, no, no, that's never my will. Take that old robe off of him uh, and put a new one on him. Uh, Take uh, only slaves uh, went barefoot in biblical days. Put shoes on my boy's feet. Uh, slip a ring back on his hand. Uh, for this my son was dead and he's alive again. He was lost. Uh, thank God now he's found. He was lost in the house. Lying, dreaming about that far country. As far as physical distance in feet and inches uh, he was very near the Father. He's in the same house with the Father. As far as his heart was concerned, he was a thousand miles away. I think about being lost in the house. The most tragic thing, and I can tell you from experience, the most tragic thing is to grow up in Pentecost and be lost in the house. Do you hear me? A boy that had a Pentecostal grandpa that was as godly and holy of a man as I've met to this hour. I can think after I got born again, listen to what few cassette tapes we still had of his preaching. You know, foolish I was to have the heritage that I had and, and, and uh, let all that go without storing it up. I think back now, why? Why didn't we save all of that kind of preaching? Why didn't we save those messages? But one of the few uh, old cassette tapes that we had, he, he preached the message, uh, uh, the spirit makes a difference. He was talking about the Spirit of God, and he preached on Samson and the Spirit of God moving upon him. He preached on the Spirit makes a difference. He was really preaching on the Spirit making a difference in our life. And he was 62 years old, and I'm telling you, he was preaching like a man whose coat was set on fire. I was in my mid to late 20s, and I, I would I saved and pulled the Holy Ghost and called to preach, and I'd ride down the road and listen to that and tears would run down my face. And I think, Lord, I hope at the age of 62 I'm as full of the Holy Ghost as that man is. And I hope I'm as passionate about the gospel and as in love with you as that man is. He was in his late 80s then, but on the tape he was 62 years old. Oh, I was being touched by it his relationship with God. 
I, I don't covet uh, another man's silver and gold. I don't covet another man's wife. Uh, I don't covet uh, another man's house or his car, his boat or his four-wheeler or any of those things. Uh, but if a man walks with God and the anointing rests upon his life, uh, the Bible said covet uh, the good gifts uh, that edify the church. Uh, and I say, oh, that I could know you like he knows you, that I can walk with you in the measure and in the capacity that he walks with you. Oh, to be close to God. Yeah. Oh, to have his touch upon my life. He's far away, that prodigal is, a million miles away, but he's in the house. I want to tell you, my in the entirety of my life, growing up in church, either in my grandpa's church, Telling Brother Darby at lunch, he said, I understood you grew up in the church of God. I said, I did for the most part. Either in Chickasaw Church of God or Celeste Road Church of God. They were both great churches, both pastored by men of God. But when my grandpa wasn't evangelizing, he was pastoring. And my mom felt, uh, you know, necessity to be in church with him. He was assembly of God. I said, but for the most part, I grew up in the church of God. And I grew up in the church of God lost. We sang out of this book. That's what this is, church of God. Him, but we sang out of this book. And I knew I could, I, I could sing these songs by heart. I'm getting ready to leave this world. It was just a song. <laughs> it wasn't reality. He set me free, page 235. It was a song. But it wasn't reality. Page 120, victory in Jesus. It was a song, but I had no victory. I can remember one of the first songs we sang at Forts Lake after I got saved. And I don't know why you remember something like that. I don't remember the message that Brother Tim preached that I got saved. I don't remember any of the messages he preached. I remember a few of them through the years. Some of those first, I remember one of the first songs we sang after I got saved was Victory in Jesus. And when I got to the part, he loved me ere I knew him. And all my love is due him. I couldn't sing no more. All I could do is weep. He loved me before I knew him. Now all my love is due. He plunged me to victory beneath the crimson flood. You're looking at a boy that grew up lost in the house. In the house. The Holy Ghost falling all around me. People shouting the victory. Tongues. Interpretation of tongues. No church I ever attended lacked for a flow or a movement of the Holy Ghost or the gifts of the Spirit. I could have reached out and touched the Lord as he walked by. Many, many times conviction gripped my heart. I was in the house but lost. It's not feet and inches. It is a condition of the heart. I believe God's in this house tonight. And I pray we're all right in his arms, in his bosom. 
And he's in our heart, but I sense that maybe somebody is not as close to God as they should be. As far as the prodigal's heart, he's in the house, but he's a long way from the father. His father could have asked him, could have called and asked, son, where are you? The prodigal would have answered, I'm right here, dad, in my room. All the wild dreaming of the day, he could be out from under the father's ruling guide. His heart was far away, but his lips told a different story. And I believe the father knew that's my boy. And he knows beyond a shadow of a doubt that I love him. And I believe to an extent he loves me. But he is not intent on doing my will. He doesn't love what I love. He doesn't want to be what I desire him to be. His heart is going astray from me. That was God's problem with Israel. And that's been God's problem with some of us. So then to be near or far speaks of a condition of the heart. Drawing nigh unto God speaks of aim and direction as well as proximity. Your aim and your direction can also determine if you're near or far. <laughs> if you're aiming right, somebody says, oh man, you just about hit the bullseye. I mean, you're right in there. You're, you're, you're in a pie plate is what we say when we're sighting a rifle in. I mean, you're, you're within a pie plate. You're in the kill zone. You're close. I'm trying to hit the bullseye. I may not just be knocking the, a dime out of the center, but I'm clipping the edge of the bullseye. I'll just tell them, that's me shaking. I'm on. I'm leaving it right there. That's good. I'm close. I'm real near with my aim and with my direction. If you shoot and don't even get on the paper, woo, you way off. Way off. I've dropped my gun or had it knocked over before. Bang. So I better try to sight it in. I'm at 50, 75, 100 yards and I shoot and I'm not even on the paper. Wow. That was bad. What do you do? I just get real close to the target. Real close. To where I'm on the paper. To where you can't miss. And then I find out how far I'm off. And then I back on up after I reset my scope a little bit. The word sin in the Greek, the only thing that separates you and I from God is sin. The word sin in the Greek, you know what it means. It means to miss the mark. I won't try to pronounce the word because rednecks can't speak. 
Greek and Hebrew, at least not properly. It means to miss the mark. And there's an illustration of two men being on a mountain. One is walking down the mountain and the other is walking up the mountain and the rapture takes place and the one that's walking up the mountain, they're at the, they meet kind of in the middle. They're speaking to each other and the rapture takes place and the one walking up the mountain's gone and the one walking down the mountain stays and when they stand before God, he said, it's not fair, I'm telling you it's not fair. I was just as spiritual as he was. We were on the same plane. We were on the same level. He was no higher than I was on that mountain. And God said, but he was uh, coming up uh, and you were going down. Aim and direction uh, directly correlates uh, to your distance to or from the Father. Are you drawing closer to God or are you drifting farther from God? Don't look at the convert and say, I've been in it longer. I know more Bible. I've, I've, I've operated in more spiritual gifts. That's not it at all. If he was born again last week, but he's hungering and thirsting and striving to get close to God and I'm drifting on my way out the door. I'm in danger while he's in love. Amen. 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 I don't know what it does to you, but I feed off of new converts. I feed off of that first love. It moves me to see people's cheeks wet with tears. It excites me to see babes excited about church, excited yeah. about worship, excited about the preacher. Yes. I was telling Sister Tammy she loves the Teen Challenge. I do too. I'm glad they let her in because they closed that door on me years, years ago. I went one time, and I'm telling you, man, we had a barn burner up in there. Them guys stood on their feet and shouted me down, and I'm telling you, I ate it up. I loved every second of it. But the director, I don't, I, I don't remember his name. It's a long time ago. The director, he didn't like it. I was old school Pentecost, and he wasn't. And guys said, we want Brother Sullivan, we want you to give him a night. We want, we want him in here. We, we, we want this. We need this. Some of them done told me, man, thank God somebody with some life and some power has come up in here. This is what we want. I, I, I was so excited about, about getting in there. He told them, boy, he said, shut it down. He said, no, I got all slots filled. Uh, he, he said, I, I need to let some of the guys from, the, you know, revival school ministry coming here and get experience preaching. He said he preaches all the time. I got all the slots filled. I just told all them guys, I said, well, if you get out of here and lack somewhere to go, I'm in Foley. Come see. <laughs> I'm telling you, got that. he'll have to answer to God for it. I won't. But proximity, uh, walking toward 
are away. Aim and direction. Work in direct correlation with our distance to or from God, but aim and direction also work in direct correlation with desire. Desire. Desire speaks of one's hunger or thirst. Matthew 5 and 6 said, It's a blessed thing. Every good and every perfect gift comes from above. But it's a blessed thing or a God-given gift to those that hunger and thirst after righteousness. For they shall be filled. Hallelujah. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. I was talking to you. I'm bad about starting my story, not finishing it. But I was telling Sister Tammy about uh, the uh, teen challenge. I said I was up in Michigan preaching the pastor's conference, and there's a guy, their congregation kind of sits in a V. You walk in, and it's a center aisle, but both, both the seat and V's off because they're in a metal building. They put the platform in the V along the back wall so when you enter in you enter in into a V in a seat you know V's out in that direction like that it's in the church that Brother Neil used to pastor as a new pastor there now but there was a guy never seen him or met him before he was on, I was on this side he was on the opposite side of the V but we only had uh, three nights, no we had four nights Monday through Thursday but He'd be standing there just kind of hands on the front, maybe leaning back and forth, just singing along and worshiping every now and then. <laughs> just get all excited and just have a conniption fit. And I thought, you know, whatever lights his fire. You know, that's how he expresses himself when the spirit moves on him. He's standing there with his hands in his pocket and he might go a little while later and he might feel the spirit. He'd come out, he's on in the second pew, and he'd come out of that second pew and he's going He just yip and holler and you know. Man, when I preach, that guy'd go crazy. Through I preached two nights, Brother Tim preached two nights. Meeting was over and he come back to talk to me. He said, uh name Mike Noe. I said, I'll never forget your name, Noe. I said, I know what your favorite Christmas song is. is. He said, what? I said, Noel. <laughs> You'll get to that later. <laughs> he said, usually they don't make fun of the Noel. Usually they make fun of the Noe. He said, but I always get that name made fun of. I said, man, I, I said, I enjoyed watching you this week. I said, you sure energized me. Sure fired me up. I said, I enjoy your passion. His wife in there, man, they sat on the second row. They, all of them got in during the altar call. They'd always close the service out on the front row. You know, when altar service was over, they'd just stay on the front row, and that wife would be crying. He had two twin boys, looked about 10 or 12 years old, and he had a daughter that looked about seven or eight that was his clone, looked just like him. 
I told him, I said, man, you cloned that daughter, didn't you? He said, yeah. I said, but somehow she's still pretty. <laughs> and, uh, but they, they, they all watched him. You could tell he was the leader in the house. They followed his lead. The wife was, they were young in the Lord, and the wife was following his lead. And the children were following their lead. If they got in, you could tell those, those kids were thinking in their mind, okay, we need to get in. And I, I asked him, I said, you know, I've been preaching this for several years. I've never seen you before. He said, no, man. He said, I was out in the world in sin. I asked him which church he went to, and I don't think his pastor was there. He said, I just heard about meeting. I wanted to be in here, and I said, uh, well, you know, tell me your story. He said, I come out of Teen Challenge. And I said, no wonder I like you, boys. That's a good program. I told him I've supported Teen Challenge ever since I've been a pastor, and I've had the privilege to preach to in a few Teen Challenge meetings. I said, enjoyed myself. He said, oh, man. He said, you, he said preacher, you feed the fire in me. And I said, when you respond, you feed the fire in me. Do you know that's how we edify one another in the Lord? <laughs> Don't you know somebody needs a, to be edified tonight? Don't you know somebody needs a little pick-me-up? Don't you know somebody needs a, to, to be encouraged in the Lord? When you respond to God in obedience, you're going to edify somebody. Desire speaks of hunger. Or thirst and aim and direction work in correlation with desire. Hunger, paneo in the <clears throat> in the Greek means to famish, to crave, to be so hungry after you feel like if you don't get it, you'll die. Yeah. That's what hunger is. It's not the munching. It's not take it or leave it. Yeah. It's not what my grandchildren experience when I say, are you hungry? And they say, yeah. And we put food on the plate and they say, ugh. <laughs> it's not that. Yeah. It's famishing. Yeah. It is craving. It is, uh, if you set it in front of me, I am going to devour it. I am starving. I'll never forget years ago, Kim had a first cousin. Her and her husband were doing drugs. It's just the reality of it. I could try to skate around that, but they were. And they had a few kids, and the youngest of the uh, children was a little girl, and we're not so sure that she wasn't maybe doing something while she was pregnant, I don't know. But you could tell the child had some had some problems. She was somewhat special needs, but not I mean she she had some learning abilities about her. I remember that baby being, I don't know, three or four years old and she just should have been bigger than what she was. But I always just passed it off, you know, maybe she was 
a preemie, maybe. She's just small for her age or whatever. Right? We, we were at Christmas, and you know how Christmas gatherings are. Everybody come together, and we had turkey, and we had ham, and we had dressing, and we had mashed potatoes, and corn, and peas, and y'all ready to go yet? And she was sitting here, and they, they didn't come around much. They didn't, but we were actually at her dad's house, Kim's uncle's house. She was there, and they were glad to see the babies because it was their grandbabies. And that girl was sitting in her mama's lap. And I was sitting directly across from the table, and I was kind of waiting on everybody to get food, sit down so we could pray or whatever we was going to do. I'm just sitting there. And she, she had her baby in her lap, that baby, and she set that plate of food down in front of that baby. That baby took her hands and got handfuls of food and started cramming handfuls of food in her mouth, thinking, I may never get this opportunity again, and I am starving. I got up, and I left the room. I left the room and I stayed gone for a little while. Kim came looking for me and said, what's wrong? And I said, that baby. I said, that baby is starving to death. And it breaks my heart. I want to tell you, that is the kind of hunger that God wants you to have for his spirit. He saved you out of that world. Yes. You were the ones on drugs. You were the ones bound by sin. You were famished and pale and, and puny, little wasting away spiritual beings when he found you. And he has set a table before you with all the blessings of God and all the fullness of Jesus Christ. And God doesn't want you to have the munchies that when you sit down at a feast of spiritual blessing that you act like spoiled grandchildren that says, ah, I don't want it. Cut the corners off for me. I don't want this or that. Or I want to tell you, every good and every good and perfect gift comes from above. If God's given it, to, it's for you and it's good. Oh, I'm not interested in seeing if I can get to heaven without the Holy Ghost because Billy Graham didn't have the Holy Ghost. If Christ gave the Holy Ghost, he wants me to have it. He wants me to have it. He gave it to me for my good. I want to tell you, only them that hunger are going to be filled. That's not only with the baptism. That's with any spiritual blessing. Your children will never be born again until you're really hungry to see them get born again. Until you reach the place that I can't live with the thought of them being lost. I can't live with it. I'll stand on the promise. 
Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. Hunger to famish, to crave. He said, blessed are those that hunger and thirst, they shall be filled. The word filled there is also an interesting word. It means to gorge. <laughs> to gorge. Y'all looking at me like y'all ain't never gorged yourself before. <laughs> y'all know what that word means? That means in redneck theology to pig out. <laughs> to eat all of yours. To ask for seconds. And if your wife is about to throw some in the garbage can, eat hers too. You pigged out. You know, we're talking about mashed potatoes and cornbread. We're talking about gluttony and sin. But if you're talking about when the Holy Ghost is falling, if you're talking about the Word of God being preached, if you're talking about your prayer and devotion time, God's got something for you and He wants to fill you. He wants it to run out of your belly. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Spirit-filled worship and spirit-filled anointed preaching ought to make you hungry for God. Hallelujah. I'm going to say it again. Spirit-filled worship and spirit-filled anointed preaching is a gift from God to make you hungry. All that grandsons in that in the kitchen and little dining area Saturday. Kim and Cortland are making cupcakes. I thought it was just blueberry muffins. She said, no, there's icing and sprinkles we're going to put on top of it. It's just going to be big cupcakes. And Kurt's over there playing on the iPad, zoned out in another world. But when them, that blueberry muffin aroma started coming up, he looked around that iPad. He said, what's that smell? I said, that's muffins. And Kim said, no, it's cupcakes. And I said, boy, do you like cupcakes? And he said, yeah. Bounce off the wall, cupcake. That's what God wants you to do. It's not just in a service to kind of bounce off the walls, so to speak. But what brought that boy out of that second pew, what brought Brother Mike out, caused him to have those little conniption fits, what fed his passion and fed his hunger and fed his fire was anointed preaching. And what fed mine was his anointed worship. What happened when we left the meeting, we were gorged. We were full. We had Victory in a soul. That is God's intent. The Spirit makes you hunger and thirst for God. Only then will you have a desire to draw near to God. 
Only then will I have the desire to draw near. John 6 and 44, no man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him. I'll raise him up at the last day. What an if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before. It's the Spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Then he said in John 6 and 33, For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you that ye have also seen me and believe not. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. What he was saying is I'm the bread of life. You've seen me. You've watched my works. And unto now there's been no hunger in you at all. No desire for, for, for the spirit or the power or salvation at all. I'm saying if that is the case, uh, your prayer life needs to cry out to God, oh, for desire, yeah. oh, for hunger, and for thirst. It took the far country. The Father knew it. You said, you, you, part of our testimony is uh, our steps uh, have been ordained by God to lead us to Christ. Uh, I'm convinced that all roads uh, lead to Jesus. Uh, now the steps of the good man are ordered by the Lord. That's to the child of God uh, that's walking in the Spirit. Uh, they that are as, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Yeah. But don't you know that Jesus said in order for the sinner to get saved, God had to order his steps. That's right. God had to draw him in under repentance. And for the, the father to lay in that room and say, my boy don't want to be here. My boy hates my house. My boy hates my law. My boy hates the fact that I raise beef. He probably raised one of them liberal, you know, vegetarians. I got calves in the stall, and he won't eat them. I, I mean, I got everything he needs, and he don't want it. He wants what the world has to offer. But being the father that he was, he said, I'm going to let my boy go. I'm going to give him his inheritance and I'm going to let him go as painful as it's going to be. I'm going to let him go out into that far country knowing that sin has a, the pleasure of sin has a short shelf life. I'm going to say it again. The pleasures of sin has a short shelf life. He knew hard times would hit Man that's born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. One thing we were talking about again at lunch today, I told Brother Darby, I said, you don't have to be looking for trouble. Trouble's going to find you. He's in his 70s. I'm 50. If you live long enough, trouble is going to find you. And you're going to need God. 
And when he did, all of his money was gone. All of his friends were gone. He had nowhere to go, nobody to turn to, nothing to eat. And he gladly would have ate hog slop if it came down to it. But nobody would give him anything. And he said, how many, he came to himself. The Holy Ghost is about to lead him home. The Father's been praying for him to come home. And the Holy Ghost opens his eyes. And he said, how many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough and to spare. And I'm out here wanting to eat hog slop. I know where there's food. I know where there's bread. I know where there's a fatted calf in the stall. Yeah. I know where there's a comfortable bed to lie down in. I know where there's a loving, tender father that'll accept me and give to me if I'm in need or in want. I am going home. Yeah. Here's the wonderful part. He sold himself to a citizen of the country. You bound by law to that man. I want to tell you there ain't a million devils that can hold you bound once a man or a woman or a young person is determined in their heart. I'm going home. I'm moving toward God. I'm tired of sin. There ain't nothing or nobody that can hold you bound. Not meth, not crack cocaine, not a pill, not a bottle, not a devil. Nobody can stop you if you cry out to God. He'll pull you up, pull you out. He'll ransom you with his own blood. Woo. Don't you know they sent the law after that boy? That's my slave. He said he might be your slave, but he's my son. And whatever you bought him with, I'll pay the price. Come on, Hallelujah. Whatever you bought him with, I'm paying the price. I'm paying his ransom. I'm paying his redemption. He's my son. Hallelujah. Don't you know what that calf tasted like to that boy? Woo! My God, to be back in another Holy Ghost field service. Don't you know he wasn't sitting there? <laughs> Seeing how far back he could sit, and I'm not speaking ill to Sister Nancy on the back row. She's one of the best prayers we have. It's just a figure of speech. He's not seeing how far away he can stay and still be in the house. You just know he was sitting as close to the Father as he could. You just know they made eye contact numerous times, Brother Daniel, and probably cried tears of joy. You just know that he told his dad that night probably 20 times, Dad, I'm sure sorry. I love you. I know it, son. I forgive you. I love you, too. For the night's over, he told him 20 more times, Dad, I'm sure sorry. I love you. I made this statement recently because I've been around and preaching. It is impossible for he or she or they to get born again without a tear coming down that cheek. You ain't got born again and never shed a tear. You're broken. Yes. You're sorrowful. Yes. 
You're remorseful of your past. And God has just paid your ransom. God has just delivered you and set you free. There are tears of sorrow. There are tears of joy. There is a shout of jubilation. Don't tell me you got born again and act like nothing happened. I want to tell you, I'm born again. I'm Holy Ghost filled. And I'm reminded of it every time I open the book. I'm reminded of it every time he fills me afresh with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I'm not strange and neither are you for acting like either one of two things. Either I'm starving to death or I'm pigging out. Woo, hallelujah. I said either I'm starving to death or I'm pigging out. I know the world thinks that to be strange. But that's in order. Every time God's doors are open. Every time the dinner bell rings. God has a table spread. Where the saints of God are fed. He's inviting his chosen few to come and dine. Curse them if you come help me. I'm finished. Stand with me if you're able. Tonight. great thing about the promise of God is blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled you don't like where you are or who you are in God you can do something about it you can change it you can be as close to God as you desire to be. That's right. No matter how long it's been, no matter how famished you are, he said, draw near to God, and God will draw near to you. Yeah. You draw near to God with desire. Desires a God-given gift. You didn't just wake up hungry. God's dealing with you. And maybe you didn't even come in hungry. Maybe since the preaching has started, God's been dealing with you. And he's made you hungrier, hungrier, hungrier. Somebody that ain't ate in a long time, they can't eat but maybe a saucer plate that big. I've been on a been on extended fast before. You come off of one, you fill your little saucer up about like that. That's about all you can eat. Stomach shrunk down, shriveled up and nothing. After you eat a few meals, that appetite begins to grow. That stomach begins to expand. You can eat a little more. A little more, a little more. It's been a long time. You've come to this altar tonight. You respond to God in repentance and by faith. And say, Lord, I'm sorry. It's been a long time, but I'm famished. I'm starving. I'm hungry for your presence. Would you feel me? I ain't telling you you're going to bounce off the walls and run laps around the building. 
But if tears start flowing, or the Spirit touches you in the least bit, that's God. That's God drawing nigh to you. That's God pouring Himself in you. That's God filling you with Himself. Leading you back to the fullness of the stature of Christ. You're here tonight, you said, Brother Eddie, it's been too long. I'm hungry. I'm famished. Given the opportunity, I'm ready for God to pour His Spirit out upon me tonight. I need Him. I need Him desperately. Maybe you're like the prodigal. Maybe you're like I was. It's all around you. But you feel a million miles from it. Maybe you feel lost in the house. You can change all that tonight. Just like the prodigal just said, I don't know how many miles he was away from God, but when he said, I'm going home, I'm telling you the grace of God met him right in the hog pen. He was already restored before his feet ever touched the grass of home. God will already forgive you before you can make it down that aisle to kneel down in the altar. Your sins will be gone. The moment you draw near to God, he said, I'll draw near to you. He'll redeem you like he did that boy. He'll pay your sin debt. He'll robe you in his righteousness. He'll pour his spirit out upon you. He's a good father. If that's you, I want you to come tonight. If that's not you, if you're a child of God, you just say, Brother Eddie, the preaching of God makes me hungry for more. I just want more of God. You've already been invited tonight. God said, I want you to gorge yourself on my spirit. I want you to gorge yourself on my promise, on my goodness. power, on my peace, on my joy. Oh, no.